on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. Turns, kicks, fires. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. And the celebration begins. They mob Chris Sale. Now, Jim just said in the open there, you got to look at the positive side of life, right? So I just thought I'd uh, throw something positive out there. Welcome to this World Championship Edition on the block here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. So glad to have you here and our friends on ESPN Radio Utica Rome that are listening, our friends on the ESPN app that are listening. Perhaps you told, hey, Alexa, play ESPN Syracuse, however you are taking in the program today. So glad to have you here on this Monday. A lot to get into, and we want to hear from you on all of it at 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288 288- 0644. So much to discuss. As we mentioned, it is Monday. We will go on the blind side today. We have some hot takes to come. If you are a head coach in Cleveland, I hope you're renting, not buying a firing spree underway. Syracuse football, some news there, perhaps worthy of discussion, like, you know, the program's back. Yeah, that might get a little mention today. Seth did mention uh, the Buffalo Bills. Oh, that's tonight. <laughs> Oh, goody. Play uh, the New England Patriots, who in the Bill Belichick era have lost a total of five games to the Buffalo Bills. So I guess I'll watch that tonight. Maybe, perhaps. I certainly will watch it muted and listen to K-Rock with John Murphy and the crew on the call. Our buddy Sal Capaccio, of course, and great Mark Kelso. Because the good news is, well, I don't know if there's good news, but the bad news is, you're playing the Patriots and Tessator. Great. Usually I can get away from Tessator because I just can't stand that broadcast with that bro voice. But I kind of have to watch it tonight because I'm kind of a Bills fan. But <sighs> mute button's gonna. I'm gonna be watching a game and there's gonna be that little mute in the screen the whole time. And yes, the Boston Red Sox are your World Series champions, but certainly where we start today is that your Syracuse football orange are back in the top 25. Your Syracuse football orange defeated NC State 51-41 in an entertaining game, an offensive-minded game, and a game that 
Syracuse adds to the list of things that also take them off a certain list of things. And that will make sense more as we discuss it here. There are four games to go. This is a 6-2 and two team. They are now bowl eligible. Doesn't mean they'll go to a bowl game. It just means they're bowl eligible. But given all the affiliations of the ACC and how these things work out, they are going to a bowl game. And let us not forget that we sit here today at six wins for the football team and for a lot of us. That was the deal. The deal before the season was if this team got through six wins, got the bowl eligible, you could kind of declare that a successful season. You could declare that and say that's the step forward that they had to take. And they have done that. They have gone from consecutive four and eight seasons to, at the very least, a six-win season. I think if this defense continues on the path they're on, you know, maybe they can't reach their potential in terms of how many games this team can win this year based on what we have seen. And we also saw a redemption from Eric Dungy out there. Here's what Dino Babers had to say, by the way, about being ranked where Syracuse is now, but certainly work to be done. I can't appreciate it, and I also recognize that we need to consistently keep doing the things that we're doing or we're not going to be able to uh, uh, be proud and, and, and about this moment. Yes, we're here, and it's, it's fabulous. And now we need to get ready to play another game on Saturday. And if we win, it'll get better. And if we don't, it won't. So we need to stay extremely focused. But it's a, it's a heck of an accomplishment. Now, that's Dino today. Dino said this on Saturday, and you could tell it was genuine. You could tell it was heartfelt. And I think Dino's always real, as the kids would say. But it's not just where it is for the program standing, where you, you kind of stand now in college football. It's the seniors getting to experience something that the prior senior class did not, that players that have grinded and won games and built Syracuse up to this point and were a part of the Dino Babers era, the Scott Schaefer era before that, they did not get to experience what this crew will be able to, and he was happy to see that accomplished on Saturday. I'm so excited for the seniors, you know, to be able to uh, play college football at the highest level is such a, such a gift given and for them not to have an opportunity to ever have a winning season, this was so sad, it, it hurt me. What Dino has preached since day one, amongst many catchphrases and things that he has come back to, is to be consistently good, not occasionally great. And when you look at Syracuse, by and large, while there are certain things that need to be improved, you're never quite satisfied, you never sit on your laurels in a way, although Eric Dungy did admit he kind of did. They are consistently good. You look at this team this year, the points that they put up, they're competitive in every game, going to Death Valley and coming up just short. Yes, the Pittsburgh loss stung, but you know they're not going into these games and not being competitive, despite some flaws that are there, as we have seen all year long defensively. So that makes for an entertaining team that makes for a consistent football team. You never go into any game now. Think about this. Any game on the Syracuse schedule and say, they're, they're done. There is no way. You do not think that anymore. That's what comes with being a ranked team. That's what comes with being in the top 25. That's what comes with being consistently good, giving Clemson a punch in the nose each time you play them, defeating them last year and almost doing it this year. 
That's what comes with beating Florida State. That's what comes with beating a ranked team on your first primetime Saturday home game in eight years. People tune in. They say, oh, Syracuse, look what they're doing. That's what comes with beating Virginia Tech at the Carrier Dome, even in your first year as head coach. There have been dips there. There have been faults there. This is not perfect by any stretch. But what we are seeing before our very eyes is this team becoming consistently good. Not occasionally great. They are consistently good and occasionally bad. You know, we can wordsmith this all day. But that's what coaches look for. There is a consistency. There is an identity. And what I have consistently preached on this show is that you can truly declare Syracuse football back you can say that the Dino Babers system, if, if for lack of a better term, is working, that you should buy back in, that you should come back around when they get back in the top 25. And that's where they find themselves today. Now, the trick with that is, as an AP voter, I can tell you, we are the representation of and the epitome of what have you done for me lately in this week's poll is a prime example of that. This week's poll represents the most amount of new teams in it since 1989, and Syracuse is one of them. I have been voting in this poll for six years, and Syracuse bucked a trend in that it is not often that a team will go from no votes a week ago to in the poll a week later. Usually you kind of have to work your way up the ladder. But Syracuse, by being consistently good, and I have preached this all year, even when they lost to Pitt, and even when they, you know, I voted for them even if they lost to Clemson, but still said this, that as an AP voter and as somebody that monitors college football for those purposes, if you just simply do what Dino Babers preaches, you will find yourself in the poll, not only by your actions, but things you can't control, and things you can't control is college football is weird this year. There's the regulars up there in Alabama and Clemson and Notre Dame and the teams that you expect to be there. But once you get past that group that's in the conversation for the college football playoff, and Syracuse does have a 1% chance of getting into the college football playoff, Lloyd Christmas, you're telling me there's a chance, right? But if you were consistently good, good things would happen, not only locally, not only for the team, but nationally. People would start to recognize you. It's all coming full circle with the speeches that have gone viral, with some of the players that have stood out, with some of the numbers, the system, the entertaining style of play that's out there. It would all kind of come full circle. Now, nobody's handing out trophies today. There's four games to go here. And again, the trick is once you get in the poll, you got to stay there or at least stay in the conversation to be there. If you go and lose to Wake Forest, it's all for naught. You're out, and then you got to work your way back in. But this is a good conversation and a good problem to have, and it's one that Syracuse has merely flirted with since 2001. There's been a couple of times they've kind of knocked on the door, been circling around it, but now they are there. And with that comes what Dino has been preaching all along. You need to be consistently good, not occasionally great. And props to Eric Dungy, because I was sitting here a week ago in this chair telling you that a change was needed at quarterback, that I saw a quarterback that ignited the offense, that had the better arm strength, the better fit, 
for what Dino had to do, that it was telling that the head coach with five minutes to go in a one-score game at home would pull his senior starter, his four-year guy, his Mr. Everything, and put in the freshman that he earned it, that this was not a a spur-of-the-moment decision. It was a culmination of things that had happened before that. Like Alex Cora with the Boston Red Sox, Dino Babers knows exactly what buttons to push, what risks to take, and what comes with them. And it all started with this moment right here. I think we kind of knew right away that Dungey was locked in. Dungey claps his hands, takes the snap against the four-man rush, looking left with time, now throwing deep down the middle. Nikeem Johnson beat his man, made the catch of the 40 at the 30. Angled left 20, he's gone. That one's in from 82. It's Matt Park, of course, over on TK99 in the Syracuse IMG Sports Network. The 82-yard throw to Nikeem Johnson, the 45-yard throw on the money to Jamal Custis. That was just it. The throws were where they needed to be. The throws were sharp. Dungy was, you know, he had a fight under him. This could have gone many ways. But because of the culture, and, you know, Dino says it all the time, right, our, our you know, the family atmosphere there, right? The first person to run out there when Eric Dungy threw that touchdown pass and give him a chest pump was Tommy DeVito. That was the same thing last week when DeVito came in with five minutes to go and threw the pass that tied it and sent it to overtime. The first person that ran out there was Eric Dungy. You have to have that bond and that strength for this to work, and that's why, you know, while calling for a change. Another thing that I mentioned frequently was do not call this a controversy. A controversy would certainly point to there's a rift, there's a problem, there's a relationship that is broken down. That's when controversies ensue. Rob Johnson, Doug Flutie, that was a quarterback controversy. This was not. It was a quarterback debate, discussion, And it was a good problem to have. And as Dino Babers noted, both quarterbacks, even though Tommy made a cameo appearance in this game, were great on Saturday. It was a wonderful contest. When you look at how the two quarterbacks played and how they were both flawless until that last two minutes of the game and how that was the deciding factor, it just goes to show you know not only how good the other quarterback was, but how well Eric Dungy played in that football I think we have seen that Eric Dungy is a pretty competitive guy and will do what it takes to win. Sometimes, you know, to a fault, he will do what it takes to win. Even the most supremely talented need to be motivated. Michael Jordan is famous for this. As good as he was, no matter what day it was, what game it was, what practice it was, he wanted to rip your throat out. But even Jordan, even the best, need to be pushed, need to be motivated, need to have the best brought out of them. And it's something that Dungy admitted after the game, that competition brings out the best. You know, it's just kind of one of those things about competition. Um, you know, competition breeds the best in people. And Tommy did a great job. You know, he did a great job last week, first of all, getting that win um, for us, helping us get that win. And, um, you know, really just I was, I was raised to be competitive. Um, and, you know, I don't want to say I was getting complacent, but I feel like I was getting too comfortable. You know, you never can get comfortable. So... Um, I'm happy for Tommy. You know, he's been pushing me. I'm pushing him. So it's it's a great competition that we have. And, um, you know, this future is going to be right here with Tommy at the helm. Um, but really, I'm just happy for the guys. And I'm happy for the linemen. happy for the guys right next to me. They did a great, great job today. So Eric Dungy put a grapple hold on his starting job for the rest of the year, short of another, you know, performance where the throws are not sharp, they're not on target. He knows that if he starts to slip again that Tommy is waiting. The benefit is that there are only – 
four more games, a fifth with a bowl game where Eric Dungy will be on this roster. So you can balance this out. You can give us a glimpse of the future, but stay with the guy who's going to lead you the rest of the way. If these were both sophomores competing for a job or, you know, maybe even Dungy as a junior, we'd have a different situation, like Tua and Jalen Hurts at Bama, like Trevor Lawrence and Kelly Bryant at Clemson, like Notre Dame's situation with Book and Brandon Wimbush. The young gun has taken over, but Syracuse has the benefit of, well, they're not all and both going to be around for the next three, four years. One of them is in his swan song. And, oh, by the way, went over 10,000 total yards in that game. So props to him. He was challenged and he responded. Dino made the right choice to take him out of that North Carolina game. It was the right choice for that moment. I thought it was the right choice long-term, but Eric Dungy proved me wrong, and he proved anybody wrong who said that he needed to be replaced as the starting quarterback of this football team. That was a button that Dino knew how to push, that it brought out the best in his quarterback. And Dungy even admitted, and I'm paraphrasing here, and I don't want to misquote him, but he basically kind of admitted he did get comfortable. He didn't get complacent. He didn't get lazy. He didn't get any other words I could use. He just got comfortable. And when someone comes along and pops you in the nose a little bit, it can bring out the best in you. And in this case, it most certainly did. So much more to come on that game. Syracuse being back in the rankings. What comes with that now? The weight of expectation that is there. And it's something that you know Syracuse fans should certainly embrace. And there are some issues on this football team that are being masked by the enormous offense they're putting up that I think could hold this team back from being as good as they can be because the defense is really playing with fire here with the amount of times that they have to come through in the right spot. Well, there's going to be a game or two down the stretch here where maybe you won't have that opportunity, A or B, you won't make the play you need to. Before we do any of that, though, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let's bring them back. Our guy, Lee Baldwin, is here ready to deliver the diamonds and the dogs. What happened on the stock market today? Lee, what's happening? Did you have a good weekend? I had a great weekend. How about you, X-Men? It was great. The Boston Red Sox are world champions, so that pretty much made my weekend. My I know. I'm a Rams fan now. No reason, but I like the Rams. So <laughs> That's a fun team to watch. They keep winning. And, and they and they and they kneel down before they score touchdowns. It's <laughs> crazy. You got to love it. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh Well, anyway, last week's volatility is continuing again today. Uh X Men the Dow was down had a nine hundred point swing, ended up down about two hundred and fifty points. So uh buckle up. We've still got a few days left in October, which can be the most volatile month. We did have a diamond though. Red Hat was up over fifty bucks after IBM offered to buy them out for about thirty three billion. And for dog, I picked Amazon today, which was down over a hundred bucks a share and it's having its worst month in ten years. So that's the re- that's all I got. Talking proud tonight. At Lee Appreciate the time. Yeah, the Red Sox won the World Series, so I'll kind of like have the bills on in the background as the New England Patriots, you know, do their Patriot thing. But They uh, may shock the world tonight. Hey, I hope so, man, because right. we're rolling. Syracuse is back in the poll. The Red Sox are winning, and the Bills might as well close out the trifecta, but uh, two out of three ain't bad <laughs> if it go. doesn't happen, right? Thank you, sir. All right, have a good one. It's Lee Baldwin, ladies and gentlemen. The website is LeeBaldwin.com, and they've got offices in Casanova and Utica. You stop on in there and make that portfolio a diamond. Let's break on that note. We'll come back. Certainly more on Syracuse to come, but 
You've got to allow me just a few minutes to discuss your world champion Boston Red Sox. Because here's the thing. They were the best team in baseball all year. This was expected. It's not that, though. It is the how this team won the World Series that really needs a Ferris Bueller. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you might miss the why. So let's just go through that. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Stay right there. Kershaw fires. Swing and a high fly ball. That one drilled. Left center field. Way back there. God! Pierce has done it again! In the first inning of game five, and the Red Sox have jumped out to a 2 nothing lead. Wow! Spring became the summer. Swing and a high fly ball left field. On its way. Back there. Gone! Mookie Betts will touch them all. A blast into the bleachers in left field. The Red Sox add a run. And Alex Cora's premonition comes Everybody through. knows this part coming up. Betts, the homer, 3-1 Boston. Come on, everybody. Sing along now. I just wanted to do it once. That's it. That's it. That's it. I just want to do it once. That's okay. I get to do that when they win the World Series. Just one time. Right? I just welcome you back here on the block ESPN Radio. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. Just want to do it once. You know, it's not like I'm going to play that other song that's about Boston obnoxiously throughout the show. I would not do such a thing. I would not do that. Or maybe I would because it's happening right now. I'm going to tell you a story. So just go, right? Listen. This team won 108 games. They spent $228 million. You better win the World Series when you have that kind of payroll and that kind of season and prove that you are the best team in baseball, at least by record, by measure, okay? But the best team doesn't always win the World Series or the Super Bowl or the Stanley Cup. It's the team that's playing the best when it matters the most, and that's not always the best team. So from that standpoint, this is not a surprise that the Red Sox won the World Series. But it is a surprise. When Steve Pierce, a guy the Toronto Blue Jays paid the Red Sox to take, said, here, take him and we will pay you to do so, who has played for every team in the American League East. Literally, I'm not making that up. When David Price, who had never won a postseason game, would win his final three starts of the postseason, the pennant winner in the descending game of the American League Championship Series, and the final game of the World Series at Dodger Stadium. The same David Price, who had a career postseason, ERA of 5.42, as recently as the middle of this month, October of 2018, it was like a couple weeks ago, makes four appearances, beginning with Game 5 of the ALCS. He goes 3-0. and A relief appearance tossed in there, and his ERA is 1.37. The Joe Kelly, 
the guy no one wants to face, everybody hates, but the one you love when he's on your team, would contribute six scoreless innings that Chris Sale, the best starter in baseball for the first four months of the season, who had not had a good postseason record, who had come in and had deliberately had his pitch count, you know, rigged to the point where they wanted him as fresh as possible for the postseason, and he still, still was hurt. And still, we really don't know what's wrong with him. But did you see when Chris Sale came out of that bullpen last night and the bullpen just standing there and applauding and sending him out to close out that World Series and get that championship? I mean, you don't have to be a Red Sox fan to get chills up your spine when you see that. That Nathan Avaldi would come out starting, relieving, carry the Red Sox through seven innings of an 18-inning baseball game. The game they lost, that down 4 nothing in game four, they would come back. That Jackie Bradley Jr., who couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat for most of the season, would provide the big offensive plays and become the American League Championship Series MVP. That the top of that order, that well-compensated top of the order, would go 0 for 28 in a stretch of this World Series, that a guy named J.D. Martinez could come in and be the MVP of the American League. And on it goes. So, yes, the money that they paid for David Price and the big contracts that they had helped them win 108 games and establish what they should be. But baseball is weird. The postseason is weird. Things happen. The best team doesn't always win. This year, the best team won. And they won because they're a team that cares about each other. They're a team that works in concert a team that the stars right to the end of the bench are helping to contribute. It's a team that has a brilliant manager. I mean, Alex Cora had a lot of buttons to push that other teams do not, but that is part of the Joe Torrey with the New York Yankees, the 1998 New York Yankees, the only team that has more wins in a season, by the way, than the Red Sox team we just watched win the World Series. 125 wins for the 98 Yankees. 119 wins for this team. Say that out loud, by the way. They won 119 baseball games. That is insane to say out loud. Even that 98 Yankees team, you've got to know how to manage and balance the ego, the talent, making the right call at the right spot, and getting the the 25 collective men in that room on the same page. Phil Jackson had the same problem, if it is even a problem, with the Chicago Bulls. Alex Cora walks in last year having just completed a run in the broadcast booth and had just stopped playing. Alex Cora, a lot of you probably still accidentally have him on your fantasy roster, comes in, and wins the World Series in year one, the same as John Farrell in 2007. And my previous favorite manager of the Red Sox, and I'll always have a strong place in my heart for Tito Francona, but Alex Cora could do no wrong in this series. It was amazing that every button he pushed worked. And having the most talented roster doesn't always mean that happens. Clayton Kershaw has been the best pitcher in baseball for as long as I can remember. Dave Roberts had a talented roster. He had a pretty bad bullpen, and... I don't know why he abandoned Rich Hill in Game 4. Even President Trump tweeted that. And I'm not making that up on Saturday over the weekend. Yay, democracy!
Dave Roberts, who, again, will always have a place in my heart for 2004, stealing that base that would, you know, he started this run. Dave Roberts started this by stealing that base in game four, and the rest is history. Comes full circle as to manage against that Red Sox team and got thoroughly outmanaged by Alex Cora. I mean, the best team won. Sometimes it's that obvious, but it's the how they did it. It's the why. It is, if you had come to me two weeks ago and told me that Steve Pierce would even be in the same zip code as the conversation is not only a key contributor for the Red Sox, but MVP, if I tried to bet on that in Vegas, they would not take it. If I walked to that counter and said, Steve Pierce, MVP, World Series, they would kick me out. But that's exactly what happened. I would have given it to David Price or at the very least co-MVPs, but it is the how they did it. That even a, a, a baseball fan that is not a fan of this team, as I am, can can appreciate. Now, there were some things that kind of I roll, I roll my eyes at. The Yankees suck, Chance. Why? You've won four World Series since 2004. They have not. Playing New York, New York, and the clubhouse, kind of a, a hat tip to what happened to the Divisional Series, right? I don't think you need to do that. Like It's not always about the Yankees. If anything, you should make it about anything but them. But, you know, those two just can't quit each other. And one way or the other, it comes back to the Yankees. So, yeah, this was not flawless by any stretch, but it was one of the greatest teams we've ever seen. The how of the Red Sox winning is what we'll always remember. Not just, hey, they had the most money. They had the most talent. They won the most games. Of course they won. I think we learned that it's not that simple. We'll break on that note. We will come back certainly with more. Hot takes is on the way. If you are a head coach in Cleveland, Ohio, I would hire a real estate agent. Have we seen this in a major city that an NBA coach and an NFL coach get hired, like, or pardon me, fired on back-to-back days? Incredible stuff. So we'll get into that. Certainly more on Syracuse football back in the polls. Monday night football tonight. Oh, boy. Race for impact, Bills fans. And we'll go on the blind side all coming up. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye. 